Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. We also have uh, PDFs available on our website, Grove.Church. You were going to say physical copies in the lobby, weren't I you? Was, yeah, I was. Yeah, I caught you. Uh, we just uh, one thing we used to say when we uh, were being in person pre COVID, but since we're not, there, there in is person, no world before COVID. <laughs> there is. What? I don't remember. Oh my gosh! Oh, I totally remember, bro. Anyways. Uh, yes, we are excited to ha- host another episode of this podcast. Uh, we also do like questions, and so if you've got uh, some questions that have come up uh, as you're reading along in the Bible, uh, it doesn't even have to be with the reading plan, to be honest with you. Um, we just go through a reading plan every year as a church, and so we take this as kind of the framework for this podcast. But if those questions come up, we'd love for you to send them in to us. Uh, there are two ways you can do that. One is via email at infogrove.church. Just shoot us a quick email, and we'll take those questions and try and answer them at the end of every podcast. Or you can direct message our Facebook page. If you are on the Facebook, uh, you can like the Grove Church while you're there. We're the Grove Church in Washington State. And you can DM us your questions. Yep. We love to take time every week to answer those as much as we can. Not the Grove Church in Arizona. Although nope. I'm sure they're fine people. No, we've had people register for some of our life groups and things like that from different Grove Churches elsewhere. So It's good times. That's why I say Grove Church in Washington State. So. Boom. There you go. Just trying to be helpful. Every time someone talks, I feel like um, we don't need to talk about this for very long, but the COVID thing just made me think about how I feel like in my mind, there's just an infinite amount of time that COVID has been going on. Because if you told me like, like, obviously I know the dates, but if you told me like, oh yeah, it's been like three years, I'd be like, yeah, that checks out. Or like, it's just- It's it's about 20 years, Evan. It just feels like I entered into this like- It's a twilight zone. This dayless- timeless void that I've just been in for well, we collectively, but not just. Well, and I think you magnify that even with us because of the, um, the office renovation we just started. Like yeah. We don't even have offices again. Um, we, we had this period of time where we worked from home. Then we came back in the offices as needed. Uh, and then we vacated the offices cause we're renovating it. Cause we have, a, we have a large staff, um, yeah. a largest staff, uh, not enough offices for them all. So we're renovating the wing. Uh, so so if, now we don't have offices right if now. If you hear something fall, it's because we're recording <laughs> under the office wing. So yes. f- do not fear, we are safe. Yeah. So construction has not actually happened yet. They're doing the preliminary stuff, but in the coming weeks, you'll probably have some background noise. So yep. that'll be fun. All right. So today we're going to talk about the book of Judges. Judges. I was actually surprised we hadn't done this one yet. Um, one of the things we're yeah, running into in season three of Let's Read the Bible is not repeating topics that we've already Reflex, done. Reflex, bro. Reflex. Well, season three. It's a good time. Uh, time's a charm. But yeah, so I was surprised that we hadn't yet done one on judges yet. We've done one on individual judges, but yeah. not on the book. So even the first year before me, but well, pre-Aaron, the first year was like it was a different format though. Oh, that's we didn't true. Do a You're full right. Episode. That is actually true. Yeah. So you're and, right. We've not done judges. I I did a series when I was a youth pastor years ago called "I Need a Hero," and I took just I a different need a hero. Yep, and I took different judges. There you go. All right. So as far as resources we're using today, it's the ESV Study Bible, the Reformation Study Bible, and then the Essence of the Old. Testament by our good friends, Ed Henson and Gary Yates. Thank you, Gary. And by good friends, I don't mean, we don't know them at all. So, Oh, what are you talking about? We're on a first name basis. Yeah. It's good. Mr. Henson. He doesn't like his name, Ed. Ed and Gary. Said, but Ged, Edward, Gary. Edwin, he Gary prefers. Yeah. All right. So to, <laughs> so it, bad. to introduce the book a little bit. Uh, so Judges, it's a really, oh, and by the way, because we forgot to mention this the last time this happened, Aaron and I will both be out of town next week. So there will be no podcast. So we're going to try and make this one a little bit longer, but just so you guys are aware. What do you mean you're going to be out of town? We're going to be in Idaho. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, we have our, our denomination conference. has an annual conference. So that's the yeah, annual conference is next week. So um, maybe Evan will upload 
a favorite hit from previous. We'll, th- we'll do a throwback Let's Thursday. Let's not, don't promise the people anything, Aaron. I plan on, I plan on fully relaxing next week. There's no such thing as relaxing on a work week. Fair enough. Uh, so to introduce the book though, to get back to the book of Judges, uh, Judges describes a really interesting period in the history of is- Israel. Uh, so this is after Joshua had led the conquest of Canaan and now the Israelites must hold on to their land. Um, so the 12 tribes of Israel exist in a really, it's it's funny how this kind of lines up for me, but they exist really in a really similar mold to the pre-constitution United States, <laughs> which is really nerdy of me to say. Um, but he, here's this. He like, didn't push up his glasses, although I, he wears them. He didn't push them up when he said that. And if you guys aren't into history, then you should you should get into it a little bit more. History's cool. <laughs> uh, but anyway, like when you when you what look at those the, who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Exactly. Is that the <laughs> thank you. Um, but when you look at the twelve tribes of Israel, they have this vague idea of we are a nation of Israelites, but very much their loyalty is to their own places, their mm-hmm. own clans. And most of the time in Judges, it'll say they delivered Israel. But what they mean is they delivered a section of Israel. It's not like the whole country was being oppressed and the whole country would not come to the aid of those people. It would just be that region and a few of the tribes in that region would band together and, and fight something. So this is kind of interesting. In a similar way, when you look at early American history before the constitution, but after the resolu- revolution, so it's like a, I think it's like nine year period, 83. 83 to 89. Sure. That's, that's six know. years. Anyway, that's not, that's not important. The point is they had this, there was this vague idea of we are the United States of America, but very much the loyalty was to the individual states. And yeah. you'd even have issues where like the government would say, hey, we need this amount of money to make the federal government run. And the states would be like, nah, I'm good. And there was, and the, and the, the overarching government couldn't do anything about it. It was interesting. And so This is Evan's love for Alexander. Or Hamilton, sorry. I finished that. Finished that book. Oh, now you? I'm reading the right stuff, which is about by the the, the Mercury. New kids on the block. No, by the oh. Mer- It's about the Mercury astronauts. It's really cool. So <laughs> I just I just got to the part where they're voting on who gets to be the first man in space. It's uh, it's Alan Shepard. So uh, they have a cohesive <laughs> idea of being a nation of some sort, but they're pretty independent. And their loyalties uh, are more towards the tribes than the whole. I promise that's my last history. Okay, simple qualifier. We were recording this later in the day than we normally do. And Evan and I both are a little bit like, it's a beautiful day right now. It's and been a long day. Yes. So it's one of those things of like, we should record the podcast because we got to get it done. So forgive us, but we're still going to stick to the script and have good content. Yeah. We may be a little bit. Done. One thing I was surprised when studying for this is that Judges is actually one of the easiest books in the Old Testament to date. Um, and if you've listened to our podcast, oh, really? yeah, so, which I, I didn't, didn't even know that. I didn't know either. Um, if you listen to our podcast, as far as dating books, the New Testament, you can usually peg it within a decade um, or so. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament is just who knows? <laughs> like there's, it's, you can, it can be centuries yeah. with some of them. It's a big ballpark. Um, with Judges though, we know that it takes place after the works of the judges are completed, right? So after Samson, because it says in those days, the judges ruled. So it's clearly yeah. the whole book is taking, it's, this isn't a book that's written as the events are happening. Like you get with Kings and uh, probably not Chronicles, but with Kings, uh, but rather it's a book that's being written after the period of the judges has happened. It's mm-hmm. looking back on it. So we know from the, the opening phrase um, in those days, it's not the opening phrase, but it says a lot in those days, the judges rules and yeah. everyone did what they thought was right. It's the ending line of the book for sure. But uh, we also get this interesting passage in Judges one twenty one, where it says, but the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites have lived with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. What on earth? No, now, I'm just kidding. So you're, you might be thinking, but wait a second, Aaron and Evan, 
the Jebusites didn't live in Jerusalem. You're right, because after David reconquered Jerusalem, the Jebusites were driven out. So we know that it takes place before that. Or yeah, it was written before that and after the works of the judges. So still by New Testament standards, you can't pin it to a decade, but you can pin it to a, a relatively small period of history as to when it was written, which is cool. So there you go. And fun then fa- Fun fact for you. And then Samuel is usually in Jewish tradition cited as the author and to be honest, that makes sense. Yeah. So it makes sense that as Samuel is the final judge of Israel, he's kind of collecting the history of this time and preparing them to move forward into kingship. So it checks out anyway, yep. but it's it, true. That's also, the book is technically anonymous. Oh my gosh. It's technically anonymous. So we could get to heaven one day and God reveals that like, no, it's some guy named Steve. And yeah. be like, God's oh. like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> he thought it was Samuel. What gave you that idea? So there you go. As far as a quick outline of the book, it actually, it, it divides up really easily. So chapters one and two are kind of just establishing the needs for why there were judges at this point. Remember, the Israelites don't have one central ruler. They're pretty spread out. And so when crisis comes, God would raise up people called judges. Um, and they're called judges because one of their aspects was to... It's kind of this interesting thing because in, in, mod, in the modern West, we have this idea that the person who executes the law should be different from the person who makes the law, should be different from the person who judges the law, right? So that's why you have courts, you have legislatures, and you have presidents or prime minister, like the executive branch of whatever it is. In the ancient world, this is not the case. The king was all three. Yep. So the king made law, the king executed the law, and the king also judged the law. So when they call them the judges, they mean that's one aspect of what they do, but yeah. they they they, essentially did that. they were the ruler of the of the people for that time period. For a temporary time. Yep. yep. Uh, and then the second section is the big section of the book. It's called the cycles of the judges and it's chapters three through 16. Uh, by cycles, we mean essentially the people would be like, we're rebelling. And then God would say like, all right, fine. Then I'm going to let this happen. Comes a bad guy. And then all of a sudden bad guys come and then the judges get raised up. And then the people, the people, the people, people cry oppressed, they cry like, Jesus help us. Yep. You're, well, not Jesus yet, but uh, the part of the Trinity. It's true. Uh, they cry out to the Lord for help. They cry out to Yahweh for help. Uh, Yahweh hears their calls. He uh, raises up a judge. The judge delivers them. And then after a while, they forget and they rebel again. And that's the cycle. So it happens six times in the book. Or is it seven? Six. Uh, so that happens in the final few chapters are the ruin of the judges. Um, that's it, there's just, just weird <laughs> stories. Um, <laughs> essentially, these come up a lot. So I'll, to preemptively answer questions that come up about chapters 17 through 21, um, they're bad, right? The yeah. things the things that are described there, it's like people always say like, how on earth did this happen? Like just because the Bible doesn't explicitly say something is bad doesn't mean it's not showing you this bad. So these chapters are meant to show how depraved Israel had become. Yeah. So, Wait, and, and you got to remember they're historical books. So that's, that's part of the reason why when Sam is collecting the information, it is it is also a history. Like it is a, a meant to be a picture of the time uh, with the different judges being raised up, but it is that picture of history too. So there is the reporting and the information that comes from every judge and every stupid decision they made or any got uh, got on our they did too. So yeah. So there you go. All right. So to kick it off, we've got Judges chapter three verses one through eleven. This is the whole story of Othniel, who is the first the first the first judge. So we can kind of just read his whole story and then talk about him a little bit. Uh, Now, these are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them. That is all in Israel who had not experienced the wars in Canaan. And so this is happening right after uh, Joshua and Caleb do Mm -hmm. their thing. Uh, Speaking of Caleb, he'll come up here in a second. It was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war to teach war to those who had not known it before. 
These are the nations, the five lords of the Philistines and the Canaanites and the uh, Sidonians, the Hivites who live on Mount Lebanon, Mount Bel Hermon, as far as Lebohamath. They were there for the testing of Israel to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded to their fathers by the hand of Moses. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And their daughters they took to themselves for wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God, which is a common theme all throughout the Bible, and served the Baals and the Asheroth, which is also a really weird common theme in the books of Mm -hmm. kings and saints. Like they they keep going back to specific Canaanite gods. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan. Uh, Rismat, ooh, I should have looked up how to say that one. The king of Mesopotamia and the people of Israel served the king for eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for their, for the people of Israel who saved them. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Dun, dun, dun. The spirit of the Lord was upon him and he judged Israel and he went out to war and the Lord gave him Kushan, the, he gave him the king of Mesopotamia into his hands and his hand prevailed over the king of Mesopotamia. Man, I should have looked up how to say that name. I, I forgot how much it occurred. I don't know if you would have been able to say it even if you looked it up. Kushan Rishathaim, Rishathaim, something like that. Sure. Uh, so they laid, so the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the king or the son of Kenaz died. So there you go. That's it. And he has this cool connection to Thanks, Caleb. Othniel. Because you'll remember Joshua and Caleb are the two spies, or they're, they're the only two people yep. who were allowed to live in that generation of Israelites. So the two spies that came back and they said, no, the Lord can do this. And then they lead um, the conquest of Canaan. We oftentimes remember Joshua, and we should, because Joshua was the actual main leader, but Caleb was also pretty awesome. Yeah. So, And he went into the north and just kind of did his thing. And so uh, those guys are, those guys are cool bros. Uh, they made it, they, they'd make a good movie. Yeah. So, but Blood has, Brothers. Yeah. So he has this cool connection to uh, Caleb there. Yeah. As far as Othniel goes, we don't get a lot of... We don't know a lot about him. Nope. So if we're going with our, uh, we're, we're going to do our rating system today for our, Ooh. with the Kings, normally we do the great King, good King, bad King. This week we'll do great judge, good judge. Um, there's not really any bad judges, no. but we can call them like, you know. Because every judge was used by God. Yeah. That's what makes them not bad. We can call but them verging on bad they judges. They're were, were, judges. World's okayest judge. Yeah. Mad, mad judge. I actually like that. So it's great, good, and mad. So meh. on that scale, I would give Othniel a great. I think, I mean, because we just we don't have anything to the to the contrary. Th- that's where I don't, I would say good. You're just going to go Just because you don't know. Because oh, you don't, I mean, you don't know much about him. Like, yes, the Spirit of the Lord came on. He judged Israel. He went out to war. And he took over the king of Mesopotamia. And that was it. Um, and the land had rest for 40 years. So, yeah, I mean, but even in, even in well. Samson, there was rest when he took out people like... Well, he didn't rule well, Samson. Well, he may spo- not have... Spoilers, sorry. Yeah, he may not have ruled ruled well, but there was still some peace in the midst of it. So, all right. I don't know. I would say good. That's Our first me. disagreement. All right. So, I place him in great tier. Aaron places him in good tier. Listen, you're going to be great. You better show me that you're great. Fair enough. Just have a blip in a, in a passage. The majority of the passage wasn't even about Othniel. True. I can't say great because of that. Come on, man. All right. Our next judge is Ehud. Uh Eglon, the king of Moab, leads an. I rate him as great. There you go. Leads well for <laughs> obvious reasons. Uh, leads an invasion of Israel from the captured city of Jericho. So uh, Eglon, the king of Moab, recaptures Jericho, kind of establishes it as a base. Which obviously there's a little bit of that kind of stinks because that's the first city the Israelites yeah. captured when they came in. So it's a little bit of it makes a blow. me wonder what state it was in when he captured it because the walls were down. 
I would think it There's was. There's no way he was able to rebuild the walls fast enough. I don't know. I think it was rebuilt at that point. I but don't know. Anyway. We'll disagree on that. Eventually, God raises up the left-handed, shout out to the left-handed people because they're great, uh, Ehud, who then does this. So uh, this is Judges 13, 19 through 26. Three, like, not 13, just so you guys oh, know. Oh, sorry. Three. He said 13. 19 through 26. Guys, I'm just going crazy right now. I'm going crazy. Uh, but he himself turned back the uh, turned back at the idols, idols near Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And he commanded silence and his attendants went out from his presence. So uh, Ehud has come. He said he has yep, a message yep. for the king. And then Eglon yeah, sent This is not out. the entire story of Ehud, just so you guys know. No, this is this, the climax. This is the, this is the point. Uh, and Ehud came to him while he was sitting alone in the roof of his chamber. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And he arose from his seat, which is pretty cool. I mean, he's, 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 Ehud has a flair for the dramatic, dun, dun, if nothing dun. else. Uh, and Ehud reached with his left hand, took the sword from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the hilt also went at, in after the blade and the fat closed over the blade, which is just like, well, they're, pour, they're pouring on this guy. He was apparently a really, he's a big dude. Uh, for he did not pull the sword out of his belly and the dung came out, uh, which is, he pooped himself. So <laughs> there you go. Then Ehud went out into the porch and closed the doors of the roof chamber behind him and locked them. When he had gone, the servants came and when they had saw that the doors of the roof of uh, the chamber were locked, they thought, surely he is relieving himself in the closet of the cool chamber. Uh, and they waited there till they were embarrassed. But when he still did not open the doors to the roof of the chamber, they took the key and opened them, and there lay their lord dead on the floor. Ehud escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the idols and escaped to Sariah. So there you go. Epic. We were, we were talking about like, it's one of the stories that really doesn't get talked about very much in the Bible. For it's like, true. Particularly for like teenagers. It's like, I mean, the king pooping himself is just hilarious. It's fantastic. That so, should be the title of this episode. If nothing else... That puts Ehud into great tears. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. I mean, come on. The guy was awesome. Well, and it's important too, like, to, like, just to get all like, I don't know, serious for like the point of Ehud being a left-handed judge is, you know, back in ancient times, left-handed people were not viewed as whole or proper or strong. They were actually viewed as uh, mistakes and problems. Uh, so historically, they were oftentimes left on hillsides to die because left-handed children and left-handed people were not, they were very... Very negatively looked upon. Even um, even today, I was born left-handed and my parents tried to make me right-handed for like a year. And you're still going to counseling for they that. Did not, uh, they, yeah, they, didn't, they didn't no, do anything bad, but it was just like, no, Evan, try it use with the, your right the, hand. Yeah, here's the fork. You, yep. Um, so even to this day, Ashley, his wife will do the same thing. Evan, here, take this in your right hand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but it's, it's interesting because when, whenever you requested a presence or a presence or what, what, not presence, um, whenever you requested time with the king, there was always some kind of searching. Like, so it's like, hey, put your sword down or whatever. And it'd always be on your on your left side because right-handed people pull out the swords from the right, um, from the right hand. So um, pulls it out of the opposite hip. So the fact that the sword was on his right thigh and he was left-handed was a big, big deal. So that was part of the the reality of that too. So Ehud, in my opinion, he's a, he's a great judge. There you go. And we get at the end of it, he rallies the people, they defeat the Moabites, and then we don't hear anything about the end, which I'm assuming means he doesn't do anything really evil. So I feel like he's he's secure in his great tier for me at least. So there you he's, go. He's he's a great he's a great judge. All right, our next judge or judges, if you prefer, are Deborah and Barack. Are we going to rate them separately? I think you have to. Good answer. Yeah, because one Just of making sure one Just is sure. one is certainly 
better than the other. Absolutely. So, uh, so we get a story, and this is kind of just interesting. It's really a story about uh, the men refusing to step up yep. in in Israel at this time. Yep. So Deborah is a judge, um, which is interesting because she's not necessarily a military commander, but she's serving the role of judge for mm-hmm. Israel at this time. And then God instructs her to summon Barak. Listen, so anybody who says that the Bible speaks negatively of women has not read the book of Judges. Oh yeah, Deborah's awesome. In ancient times, there's no way she would be considered a judge or a leader of, uh, of a group of people if, if the biblical view of women inf- were was inferior. So just mm-hmm. saying that. Uh, so God commands her to uh, summon Barak to lead the Northern tribes of Israel against their enemies. Uh, Barak, however, is too afraid to go without Deborah. And so he asked her to go. And there's this whole interesting exchange where she says like, okay, like I'll come with you, but just know like I will be getting the credit if this yeah. happened. Like that's the way people are going to remember it. And he's like, okay, oh, that's totally cool. So they go into battle um, after Deborah and Barak defeat the army. Uh, the commander escapes, but then he goes into, this is like, this is the best part of the whole story. So the commander escapes, he seeks refuge inside this tent. This lady is like laying in jail. She's like, oh yeah, totally here, take a nap. And then while he's sleeping, she grabs a tent stake and a hammer and kills him with it. Drives so, it through his temple. Oh man. So there you it's go. It's almost like you got three different people to raid at this point. Which is interesting because to keep up the theme of, you know, just kind of the men not stepping up, it's a lady who ends up killing, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember if he's the general or the king, I believe he's the general. So that is what, that is what happens there in the story of Deborah and Brock. Yep. We're going a little Legit. bit more rapid fire at this point. Well, where would you rank him? I would rate Deborah's great. Uh, and Barack, is he good or is he okay? He's meh. He's meh. There's nothing him, about him. There's, gonna... there's nothing that's worth like, so man, my okay, thing he with, was a good judge. Like, my thing with the meh ranking. He abdicated any kind of responsibility. True. That's meh. My thing with the meh ranking is there's other judges coming up who were like, who so he's at the top things. tier of the meh, but he's, he's meh. T- All right. I'll give him, I'll give him bottom tier of good. <laughs> I'm overestimating the judges maybe a little bit. Deborah's great. Absolutely you are. Deborah's great for sure. So, JL is better than Bar- Barack. Fair. Barack. 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 I've, I've, heard, I've heard it many ways. Um, but yeah. So right- wasn't JL like a prostitute pretty much? Isn't that pretty much because he finds refuge in her tent? Anyways. You shouldn't drop that knowledge because I have no idea. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't yeah. look into that part. Anyways, I, there, there's some implications there of JL and her life anyways all right so deborah and ehud we both agree are great i put othniel in great you put othniel in good i put bear uh brock in good you put him in good you i put, put him in man all right next up we have Gideon. honorable mention is jail there you go not judge but good for you yeah. uh, so gideon's an interesting <laughs> story uh, the midianites come and attack israel mm-hmm. gideon is found he's a very insecure yeah very um passive guy well, yeah, because God calls him and he says, even like these things in Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because with, I think before this, we don't actually get the story of the judges being called. Um, I guess with uh, Barak, you have well, the idea that, that Deborah. But even with Othniel, it says the spirit of the Lord is upon him. Right. So there's, there, the imp- I mean, it may not say directly that God called him out, but I would say for was, Gideon's story, you needed it. Yeah. Like the angel comes physically yeah. and is like, yep. mighty warrior, this is what we've called yeah, Which you reveals to. a lot about Gideon, yep. uh, just in general. So this is where we get the story of he asks God for a sign of putting out a fleece and keeping it uh, dry while the ground is wet and then keeping it wet while the ground around it is dry. Well, and even the first, like Gideon's name means destroyer um, and really it's destroyer of high places, which is interesting compared to the end of his, his life, so to speak. Yep. Um, but the fir- his first thing is when he's called in, the, in that wine, you know, press he where he's threshing wheat which is not where you thresh wheat in a wine press but he's trying to hide from the midianites who are stealing all the crop um it's god tells him hey i want you to tear down the ash pole 
Uh, so he does. And then there's this big uproar and hoopla right. about who took, who took it down. And, uh, and then the, his dad, he, the people call him out that it was Gideon. And then his dad says, well, let him speak. If he's going to speak, let him speak. It's almost as like, I'm, I'm Switzerland in this one. I'm going to be abstained from, from any kind of vote about judgment. Uh, and that's where the story really takes place. So like, he, he makes a decision and stands firm and just says simply like, if God's for us, like we, we can fight this battle. And then it's where we get the story of he has 300 men that's whittled down uh, three th- uh, from like 10,000, I think is whittled down to 300. Um, he lays the feast before the Lord after that, just saying, okay, Lord, if you're actually doing this, if you're going to like, and then he does it two or two times. Is it two? I think where he lays it before the Lord and says, okay, let, let the fleece be wet, but everything around be dry. Yep. And, and then it happens. The he says, okay, just to be safe, let the ground be wet, but the fleece be dry. And that's what happens too. So yep. And then the 300 men, they yep. go. They don't even use swords. Nope. God fights for them. God wants this to be very clear, which is a theme you'll find all throughout the Bible, mm-hmm. that this is not Gideon's victory. Yeah. This is also not Israel's victory. This is God's victory. Yep. God's the one doing this. So 300 against thousands upon thousands. Yep. Um, and they all get confused, kill each other off, and they- And by Gideon they all, the Midianites the bad guys, do. Yeah, the bad not, guys. Not the Israelites. I just, it's funny. There's a book called uh, Get the Kid and the- Black Bean Bandits, which is uh, a Christian story about <laughs> the story of Gideon. So, uh, so when I hear "get the kid," that's what that's my son's name. But there you go. So that's most of Gideon's story. Um, he 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 sees deliverance from Midianites. Um, people wanted to rule over him, and this is where his story turns negative. Yep. So by that, you'd be like, "Yeah, great judge, good judge, possibly." Yeah, great. I'd put him in the great tier for sure. So, but then after this, uh, he takes kind of tribute of earrings, which is kind of interesting. After all of this is happening, he yeah, because people down. wanted to rule, and he's like, "No, I'm not going to rule over you. The Lord's going to rule over you." Which I hey, tell you what, good call on that one. Yeah, absolutely. So he's still great, right? Then he says, "Tell you what." Let's take tribute though. We'll honor each other. Everyone threw a gold earring in this thing, which weighed a ton of a ton of weight in gold. Right. Um, and then he makes it into this ephod. And it says, yeah. So an ephod, if you don't know, is uh, an adornment that was supposed to be only mm. for the priests, yeah. only for the Levites. It's like a chess piece kind of thing, like a necklace chess piece. Yep. And so it says Gideon made an ephod from all of this and put it in Ophrah, his, own t- his hometown. Then all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping there and it became a snare to Gideon and his household. So... He starts off. That's his legacy. Strong, ends weak. So that's the, the qu- one thing he was called to do. To he, where he started off his journey with Christ, or like the call of God as a judge, was to tear down the astral poles, to tear down the the place where people worshipped false gods. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, he's full circle. So now so. the question is: Do you rank him as? I think for sure we've established he's not a great judge. Uh, but would he be good or would he be meh? To me, oh, he I feels think- like Solomon where he has really high highs and mm. he has really low lows. I'm curious to know where you'd rank him. I don't know. That's why I was hoping you So for first. me, I, I would, because the story of getting is so incredible, um, but I, but because of that last point, I mean, like part of Judges there, you see in Judges 8, I believe, that's where it talks about like his legacy. And it's actually, his legacy is good. Um, mm-hmm. It's a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. Um, and so for that, I would put him, I mean, if we're doing it, like you cheated and said the lowest part of good, I would put him in the low tier of great. Low tier of great. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I was going to put him low tier of good. Low tier of good. I was You're going to put him way down I was going to put him on the fence. Is it above or below Barack? Barack. Because you put Barack at the I'd put bottom him, I'd put of him, good. I'd put him below Barack. Really? Because I think here's here's my thing. Barack abdicated his entire authority. Barack, he was a coward. Barack and Gideon are both scared. 
both eventually do and what Gideon God. Gideon both steps eventually up and does did. what God. No, 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 no. Eventually, no, do what God no, had them do. No, even Barak though Barak needed Deborah. No, and then no way. But then Barak doesn't build a freaking idol. <laughs> Not an idol, but he doesn't but he didn't lead man the people. Up. I don't know. How, how did Barak do what he was supposed to do? I stand by my ranking. Your ranking is I, garbage. I stand by. You're it. a Mariner fan, aren't you? I'm just I, kidding. This is <laughs> low blow. It's true. <laughs> Okay. That's awesome. Moving forward, uh, oh, we have... You're horrible. I'm sorry. B- below Barak. Oh we have two gosh. more judges. Oh, my goodness. Next one is Jephthah, or Jephthah, uh, which I've just heard it pronounced that way, and it probably is correct, but I grew up saying Jephthah, so I'm probably just going to slip into that more. Uh, in this story, the people of Gilead, which is a great name for a place, just fun to say, uh, turn to Jephthah to protect them from the Ammonites. After negotiations break down, Jephthah makes a vow that he regrets. And this is definitely yes, what Jephthah is most famous for. He's also, it's interesting because he's he's kind of the shadiest judge of all the judges because... You're like, going to put him as you're going to put him above Gideon and Barak and good, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> listen, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to where we put him. Uh, but he, it's kind of inferred that he's just like a roaming bandit with some cell swords that are happening. And he's been, his family doesn't like him. No one really around likes him, but he's a good fighter. It's got that classic, that classic, that classic medieval action movie trope where it's like the outcast guy is the only one who can lead. Um, You're saying Jephthah's a Robin Hood of the judges, but like he's not a Robin Hood in the sense of because Robin Hood was stealing from the government to give to the poor. <laughs> which let me tell you, I'm all for uh, Jephthah. <laughs> it seems like he's just kind of stealing. So, uh, but I, I, we also could be I could be reading a little bit much into the way people feel about him. So more. the Aladdin of the judges. I yeah, I mean I guess I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It just... could could be. He's not he's not stealing bread for just himself though. Who knows? How do you know? He's stealing for the sake of stealing. Who's the um the Persian whatever that that anyways, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, uh, Prince of Persia? Prince of Persia. He's the Prince of Persia. Never seen that movie. Or played the game. Oh, I haven't. I've seen the movie, but not played the game. There you go. Anyways, Anyways. all of that to say, so this happens, uh, then the spirit of, this is Judges chapter 11, then the spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed into Mizpah, onto Mizpah of Gilead and from, and from Mizpah of Gilead, he passed on to the Ammonites and Jephthah made a vow. Read that verse 14 times. Good luck. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, if you give, if you will give the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes from the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against them. And the Lord gave them into his hand and he struck them from uh, Aror, that's a fun word to say, uh, to the neighborhood of Minith, 20 cities, and as far as Abel uh, Karaman with a great blow. So the Ammonites, he punched them 20 cities over. Just kidding. That's, that was figurative <laughs> he language. spinach. So the Ammonites were subdued before the people of Israel. Then Jephthah came to his hometown at Mizpah and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with tambourines and with dances. She was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. As soon as he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, which is a sign of mourning. "Uh, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low and you have become the cause of great trouble to me. For I have opened my mouth to the Lord and I cannot take back my vow. And she said to him, my father, you have opened your mouth to the Lord. Do according to what has gone out of your mouth. Now that the Lord has avenged you on your enemies, on the Ammonites. 
So she said to her father, let this thing be done to me. Leave me alone for two months that I may go up onto the mountain and weep for my virginity. I and my companions. So he said, go. Then he sent her away for two months and she departed. She and her companions and wept for her virginity on the mountains. And at the end of two months, she returned with her father who did according to the vow that he had made. She had never known a man and it became a custom in Israel that daughters of Israel went year by year to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite for four days in the year. All right. I'm going to make well, an executive. It just got weird. It did get really weird. <laughs> All right. I'm also going to make an executive decision. I think we should just answer the question. Oh, I know you were going to go came in. Oh, I was, you, yeah. you already knew. All right. Yeah. So we had a question come in. Aaron, yeah. if you want to read it really quick. Yeah, let we'll, me grab my... We'll do both of these things and then we'll finish up with talking about Samson once Aaron pulls up the question here. Yeah, so it actually came in uh, through our Connect card this week. Uh, so I got to spend time in answering it via an email first. But uh, it says this, um, why uh, why does the daughter come out uh, and, and next the dad is then given giving her to sacrifice? In essence, um, she's just asking, this guy was asking, um, it's, a, it's a weird part of the passage. It's hard. Yep. It's hard to read, just to be honest with you, like, God is not a God who delights in child sacrifice or even human sacrifice. Right. Um, and so why why would this honor God or why did it have to happen and play out the way it did? So, so there's a couple. That was a question. There's really three answers, I think, that you could land on here. And I think we land on different ones, which is interesting from what we talked about yesterday. Yeah. Um, but number one, that by sacrifice, Jephthah means a burnt offering to the Lord mm-hmm. that he then does. Uh, number two, that, well, was, I shouldn't say it. He does a, bur- he, he means a burnt offering to the Lord and this is a good thing. By number two would be by sacrifice, he means a burnt offering to the Lord and the fact that he follows through with it is a bad thing. Or option three, which is by sacrifice, he means committing his daughter to perpetual virginity and not to be married for the rest of her life. And then you can't really say that's bad because it's mm-hmm. kind of just like that would be following up with the word there. So it's one of those three things, all of which are uncomfortable uh, in, yeah. cer- in certain ways, one way or the other. I tend to land in the camp that he meant a um, he meant a killing sacrifice and that it was a bad thing that he followed through with it. And what I mean by that is, and this is a thing that we see in judges a lot where actions are described but sometimes the author of the book doesn't weigh in one way or the other as to whether or not this thing was a good thing or a bad thing. The famous one being in Judges 19, um, there's a man who throws out his concubine to a, to a crowd and, uh, and terrible things happen to her and she dies. And then he like cuts her into pieces and sends them to the 12 tribes of Israel. It's never said whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's kind of just assumed like we can read that and say, obviously this is bad. Um, my thought with it would be, the law explicitly forbids human sacrifice. And so I don't think even if Jephthah makes the vow to the Lord, I don't think he would be bound to actually commit human sacrifice. Cause that would be the sin of breaking a vow compounded with the sin of human sacrifice. So that's kind of where I land on it, that Jephthah actually does it. Um, but it's really in a way to show how depraved Israel had become. And I think it also fits in with, as you move through the stories, the judges of Israel kind of get worse and worse because Othniel and Ehud start off um, pretty strong. And then you get Barak, who's a little bit weaker. Then you get Gideon, who starts 
strong, but he actually, he really starts like cowardly, but then he, he rises up to the moment, but then he um, has a terrible fall and then you get Jephthah. And then after Jephthah, you get Samson who kind of, I mean, we don't, we don't really spoil Samson, I guess, but he, uh, he really doesn't have a bright moment until right at the end is kind of how it goes. And he's yeah. the last of them. So that's where I land. Yeah. I think um, it's interesting. I was just reading some different translations um, from Matthew or Judges 11, not Matthew 11, Judges 11. Um, and the CSB is the only one that says whoever. When when Jephthah makes the vow to God, he's the only one that says whoever comes out of the, my house. Um, the ESV, the NLT, uh, the message all refer back to whatever comes out. So it, it shows me that his intention is to offer a, a legit God-honoring sacrifice. Um, but because his daughter comes out, he's kind of up a creek without a paddle. And so there's a couple things that I think of that, that kind of I, where I kind of land when it comes to wrestling with this a little bit. I think it's worth saying at the very beginning of the podcast, we even highlighted, especially in judges, there are things that are just bad. Um, and, and it doesn't make sense and it's not always going to make sense. And this is where we can't take, um, that everything that happens in this book and even other, other books as well, but that because it's, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. There's no like, well, it's in the Bible, so it has to be good, even though it feels bad. No, this is just, this is just a bad situation. Um, and so I think with Jephthah, he, he got to a point and I, I should have looked it up and I didn't think about it, but, uh, I think it's, it might even be in the new Testament, but it's the idea of like, when you make a vow before the Lord, it's maybe it's Ecclesiastes, um, that don't make a vow before the Lord, unless you're willing to uphold it. And Jephthah, some of the stories you read about Jephthah, he is this kind of shady kind of, um, uncommitted, uh, half, you know, he's almost a little flippant is what it sounds like and feels like when you read the story of Jephthah. Uh, and so he flippantly made a comment is what it feels like to me and seems like to me and how he threw something out there to the Lord where he was uncertain of God's, God's direction and God's power or whatever, trying to convince and manipulate God to give him the victory and the cost he didn't count or figure or, or consider as much because he thought it, it would just be one of the, one of the uh, articles that I read, I think came from the gospel coalition. Uh, but he mentioned, they mentioned that Jephthah could have very easily said, if he did say whoever comes out of my house, um, that they, that his intention was, he was thinking it might be like a servant girl or like a low piece of property, uh, from a people perspective that came out of his house. Um, so he didn't have a high value on them. And so you just see a lot of the, like the shadiness and Jephthah not having high value on humanity anyways, if he did say whoever. Um, so I, I, all that to say, it's just bad. It's a bad situation either way. Um, he made a vow before the Lord there. God, God holds those very seriously. That's why he says in James, I believe like let your yes be yes and no be no. Don't swear by heaven or above or like heaven above or the earth below. Like, yeah, let your yes be. In essence, do what you say you're going to do. Follow through with it. Uh, when you make a vow, like when you vow something like God holds that seriously. Um, and I think that there is something to be said to learn from the moment of like, he made a vow before the Lord and he had to stick to it or he would dishonor God. The unfortunate thing is like, well, what does that mean about sacrifice? Was God honored in human sacrifice? I can't answer that. I don't, I think yes and no, I don't know. Um, the interesting thing too, just a side note that I think is always another layer to think about too, um, is how does this story allude to scripture? How does it allude to the gospel? Because the gospel narrative in the entirety of scripture is important. Um, when I say the gospel, I refer to Christ. Um, there is something to be said about the 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 parallel of God sacrificing His own Son um, to fulfill the promise He made to humanity. 
um, back during the Old Testament times when he 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 made a covenant with Abraham um, and promised on by his own name because he knew Abraham couldn't handle the covenant. So all that to say, I think there is there is a, a beautiful side to this where you see the parallel to what God did in sacrificing His Son, so the, so humanity can be reconciled and redeemed. Um, so it's 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 a hard passage for sure. And there's passages later on. I think Evan, you already alluded to. It. I'm sorry if I wasn't hearing you fully. Um, and the, at the end of the book of Judges, that I think it's it's disturbing to read, right. and disturbing to wrestle through, um, and it doesn't it doesn't. We won't understand this side of eternity. Why? It was in scripture apart from the historical book and the historical account of stuff. But um, at the end of the day, scripture alludes to and points to Christ, points to the promise and fulfillment of Christ and and what it looks like to live in response to that. So I think there's some of that tension, but it's it's a hard passage. I don't know. I think Jephthah's an idiot, to be honest with you. Right. <laughs> so. I think the big thing that I try to remember when reading Judges is the ending line is so important. The ending line is really the conclusion of the book. And it says... In those days, there was no king in Israel, mm-hmm. and everyone did what they thought was right. Yeah. Um, and so, what it shows is just again the the depravity of of what yeah. Israel had fallen into. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, there you have it. I should also mention too that there's other judges besides the the ones that we're talking about today. We're just yeah. kind of, we're hitting the major ones because the yeah. other ones kind of just get like a paragraph here and there. So. Yeah. And I think I mean if I'm going to rank him, he's a meh judge to me in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, for sure. I don't, have, I don't have any. There's no there's no good to him whatsoever except Jephthah, the fact that he, God used him. That was the only good. Hard meh. Yeah. All right. Final judge we're talking about today. Samson. And he's probably the, I would, I would say he's the most famous of the judges. Yeah. For sure. So uh, everyone knows about him. Uh, he is born. It's a little bit of a miracle birth. His parents dedicate him as a Nazarite, mm-hmm. not a Nazarene. Uh, and every part of his life, he breaks the Nazarite vow, <laughs> except cutting his hair till the very end. Yeah. Oh, man, this guy. So Samson is empowered by the Holy Spirit with just incredible strength, yeah. incredible fighting. Ability. He's almost, he's, he's, in essence, virtually invincible. Like, he, yeah, he's he's a very... Um, he's Captain America. <laughs> yeah, not that he's mythological, but he's a very Herculean yeah. figure as far as uh, as far as far what he's able to do. Mm. So he's just he's just killing Philistines all the time is what with, he does. The jawbone of a donkey. Yep. Uh, he carries two doors, massive doors out of a city gate. Like, But I think, um, I think what you see with Samson is the story of someone who just doesn't take his calling seriously. Yeah. Um, I think he thinks he's untouchable from almost day one. Right. And he doesn't, and, and God, it's it's one of those things that God never rebukes him. And, and he, it's almost like, because he never gets this rebuke, it's, oh, God's not, God's okay. It's it's not a big deal, but it's still wrong. Like, I think that that's the crazy thing. But, but so he just, he just walks around arrogant. He walks around like no one can touch him because to be honest with you, most from a physical perspective, no one can. No one can can stand toe to toe with this guy. Yeah, you're not going to fight Samson. No, uh, you want him in your corner. To I mean, to kind of move through his story quickly because we are running low on time, and I think we've done a character study of Samson before. If not, we should do one. I soon. don't remember. Um, I'll I'll look it up. If we haven't done one, we'll do one. Um, but with with Samson, he he just has he like you said, he breaks the Nazarite vow, parts of the vow all the time. Like he touches uh, dead things, which you're not supposed to do. Uh, he definitely is. Uh, being inappropriate with the ladies and he, he drinks from the vine. Yeah. He does a bunch of stuff. Uh, he eventually, he, uh, I don't know if he falls in love or falls in lust with Delilah, but whatever you want to call it, that happens there. Uh, he, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great question too. Um, but yeah, she's, uh, she's not only a Philistine, uh, I believe she's also a prostitute. Yep, she's so a prostitute. one of those things you don't, it's not a good deal. 
And so Samson is uh, eventually tricked by her into breaking the final part of his Nazarite vow, which is to not cut his hair. Is uh, he tricked though? Well, she doesn't when he's asleep. I don't think he's tricked. You don't think he's... I, I think, yeah, he's tricked. No, he's not tricked. He doesn't know she's going to do that. She, he's an idiot. I, well, th- Listen, that, that aside, three, yes. three times she asked the same question and the Philistines show up. Like, he's just an idiot. I don't think I, she tricked him. I, I, I agree that he's an idiot. I think he was blinded by his by his his arrogant. I think he was blinded by his pride. I'm untouchable. No one can hurt me. Yeah, it could be. And I, and I wonder if he got to a point where it's like, ah, who cares if I cut my hair? No one can touch me. I don't know. Like, there's just part of me that's like, I just think he was such a, yeah, he was uh, and God, for, God forbid I'm saying this and I'm like super judgmental negative about Samson. God still used him. God still used him to deliver. And I'm thankful for that. But but I, I hope that I'm never that that ignorant to, to what God has called me to. Well, I, think so. we, I think we all have those points. But so, anyway. it's, um, but yeah, so all that happens, Samson's strength leaves him. The Holy Spirit lifts off his it's empowerment. the saddest parts of scripture. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, he tries to get away and he realizes he can't anymore. He's, he's not he strong enough to get away. He did not know the Spirit of the Lord had left him. Yeah. That's, that is that is a terrible line. Yeah, it's one of the like to me. That's like the worst passage in all of scripture. Um, so they Anyways. and they and they do horrible things to Samson. They take out his eyes, um, so he's now blind, and they kind of just parade him around and humiliate him. Yeah, yep. it's uh, it's this idea. He's now a clown. Yeah, he's this champion of Israel. Uh, look at this guy who is so strong, and now he's just kind of a uh, um, I don't know. It reminds me of like King Kong when they bring him back from the island and just kind of parade him around in New I've York. I've never watched King Kong. What? Really? Yeah. Oh, it's Sorry. Good, it's a good movie. It's like the first big stop motion thing. But anyway. Sure. So all that all that happens. Uh, and then at the very end, though, what you see is he's being paraded around at this massive gathering of really important Philistines. And he asks God for one more feet of strength, essentially. Mm. Uh, and so God grants that to him. The Holy Spirit empowers him one more time. And he takes the pillars that he's chained to and he pushes them apart and he collapses the whole building. Yep. Uh, Everybody in there is dead. Yeah, including Samson. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's a, it's a self-sacrificial moment. But in that act, um, he actually drives the Philistines away for a, a, a long period of time. Uh, the Philistines don't fully leave because you'll see that Saul and David are both kind of dealing with them yep. uh, as it's it goes true. on. But... Uh, that is his great deliverance of um, of Israel there. So where would you rank Samson? I think, so here's the thing. He's <laughs> meh for sure. Um, the only question is, do I rank him above or below Jephthah? Because right now for me, Jephthah's at the bottom of the rankings. Is Samson worse than Jephthah? And to me, I think. That's, oh man. Because it's, it's. It's hard, right? Because, and again, this is just like a complete, this is just something we're doing for fun. It's not like we're, yeah. like this isn't. Well, and it's funny. Crazy. I was, I had this thought as we were talking, I was like, do you, do you think God is like shaking his head at us because we're ranking the judges? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like it, it, I don't think it matters anyway. So um, I would, I would put him below Jephthah. You put him below Jephthah. Okay. All right. He's the bottom of the tier for me. The only thing that would p- make me put him above Jephthah is just the idea that his arc ends in redemption, whereas Jephthah's kind of, he does like the good thing and then he does bad things. Yeah. But but the other side of the argument can simply be that he he still did what he promised God he'd do. True. Like Jephthah was still true to his word in that. Um, now again, the, I'll land taking up. out the, like the, the trouble, troubling part of the whole conversation there. But Jephthah d- still followed through, even though it was his only child, his daughter. Um, I, th- so that he's still a man judge to me, like easily. All right. So but. I'll land with you. I'll put him below Jephthah. Well, That's the Samson first agreement. Ran bro. out the bottom. Except <laughs> so. the, except the, uh, except Ehud. Ehud. Yeah. Was really? he the only great, uh, like 
the universal you, great judge. He's the only one that you ranked as great. I yes. put Othniel there. So, yep. But Tisha, and Deborah. I forgot about Deborah. Oh, Deborah's a great judge. Yes, yes absolutely. All right. So there you have it. That is uh, our quick take on the book of Judges. It's funny because I was intending not to talk about the other two parts of the book, which is the very beginning and then the ending stories, but we ended up talking about those anyway a little yeah. bit. So we did not comprehensive by any means, but you know, we've given a quick, a quick overview of Judges. The survey of Judges. Yep. It's also, it's, it's nice because it's a fairly easy book to read. Yeah. So it, it is very, it's very narrative. I think there's only one section of poetry, which is the song of Deborah at the, uh, at the end of their battle and the rest of it is just kind of straightforward. So mm-hmm. have fun reading. Uh, remember there's no podcast next week. Uh, we'll be on vacation. And then after that, we'll be, okay. we'll be We're back not on vacation, not vacation, but, but we won't yeah. be able to record a podcast. Yeah. We'll be out of town. So yep. there you go. I don't know. I feel like it's not vacation. I don't, I'm not saying it's vacation. I'm saying, you know, it's a relaxing. Listen, time. if you don't work next week, you failed as your job. At your oh, job. I'm telling Ryan, I'm oh. just kidding. Anyways, well, appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening uh, yeah. for us on a Thursday afternoon, which we don't normally film at this point. Uh, it's actually a Thursday evening almost, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, with that, a couple quick things. Uh, this podcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to financially support the ministry of the Grove Church. You can do that by heading to our website, grove.church and click on the give button. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, please leave a five-star review. If you've been enjoying this podcast, it helps get it out there to more people. Yeah. And finally, we are a resource of the Grove Church, but we're not the only one. Uh, you can check out our website, grove.church, for all of our past messages, as well as our Life and Limb blog, uh, which this week, uh, I wrote it. So yeah, you did. Oh, wait, actually, no, yeah, this week I wrote it, and then Jen will write one that drops next week. Yeah. So, good Exciting times. Exciting time. Anyway, with that being said, have a great day. 